She's worried that your outfit and my tie are too coordinated. Are too coordinated. Yeah. They, they think it's planned. And yeah. Blue and black. Okay. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are rolling into another episode of the Candace Owens show. And I I wonder if I'm the only person that loses sleep at night about Western civilization. I really genuinely am just so concerned about the direction um, that not just not just America has taken, but the West in general, uh, where we no longer seem tethered uh, to the reality of the circumstances that we're in. Um, we're, we're so obsessed with so many minor issues and making sure people's uh, social issues um, uh, become go first and, and come out on top. And we no longer think about where we stand um, globally in, co in the context of the entire world. While we're focused on our minor issues, uh, people in the East are not focused on those issues. Something came to my attention. I, I saw it uh, trending, I believe, on Twitter, and people were mocking uh, the whole idea of Space Force. And I have this idea that uh, you know people with limited education don't understand uh, much and tend to mock things that they deem as unimportant. And I said to myself, I don't know too much about Space Force, um, but I bet there's a lot there and a, and a lot there that we need to learn in the context of what is going on in the entire world. Uh, so here to discuss that with me, I am so honored to have retired United States Air Force Lieutenant General Quast. Welcome Thank you. to the Candace Owens Show. Thank you very much and call me Steve. Please. I can call you Steve. Okay, <laughs> of great. If I can call you Candace. You certainly can. <laughs> and I'll start off by telling you what I, what I said off camera. I am mm -hmm. so ignorant about this topic. Mm -hmm. and these are my favorite episodes to do because I know that there's there's a lot more that I need to know about this um, in terms of, of what's going on and why it's so important. And I hope that everyone watching this can really understand that. So um, just kind of take me through, um, I guess, even the conceptualization, the conceptual, the conceptual pieces of Space Force. Where did this even come from, this idea come from? We see the president being mocked routinely about this. Right. Well, you know, the, the mocking comes with any idea uh, from anybody. You know, it's a, a, an easy sport to, to mock something you don't understand or you're, you haven't thought deeply about. But this is so exciting for me to be able to uh, unpack this a little bit and, and talk about what really is going on around us uh, because this sense-making of what's really going on really helps us be effective as a nation uh, to move in the right direction. Uh, and what's going on is something that has happened throughout history. And it, at its root, it's the reason why civilizations never last. You know, you sometimes wonder, why do civilizations never last? Uh, you can look at the Roman Empire, Byzantine Empire, Ottoman Empire. Um, and the reason is human nature. The reason civilizations die is because of human nature. And when a civilization gets bored or when it has nothing great to fight for and to champion, the, the sense of purpose is gone, you see a society start to fight among itself uh, over petty things, little things. They'll make up an issue to fight over if there's not something bigger. So that's why when you alluded to in your opening, you know, these, uh, these uh, great challenges that made generations great, like the greatest generation in World War II or the English in World War I and uh, this understanding uh, that you have to stand up to evil, uh, there was something to come together as a team about. And if so uh, for the last 70 years, America has been so unilaterally dominant economically, 
politically, culturally, socially, uh, that we've really started to grow lazy uh, in many ways. Yeah, and, and and what comes with that, I always say that with my generation, I think that we we really sped things up. We were definitely the catalyst to all of this crazy leftist, who cares, what are you crying about? Bathroom signs, you overprivileged brats, I always say. Yeah. Um, and I think we catalyzed that, and I say what my generation is suffering from is peace. Mm -hmm. Like people don't know how to just be peaceful and be content and go, wow, yeah. everything's kind of okay. That's right. And, and that's human nature. It is. You know, there's, it, human human beings want to triumph right. right they want to be a generation that we want to say we ended world war ii and right. or, or you know we put we we sent our boys over in vietnam war we were the people that did this you know we ended that that war yeah. and we can't do that as millennials we're so, sort of like we well, didn't really do anything so why don't we just uh you know ruin our own country and pretend yeah. that you know we put up bathroom signs and yeah so th this is why i'm so excited to be here because uh they can do this and i'll describe it it's this it's in a space that can do this um americans today do not realize that technology right now sitting on the table of engineering benches out there could be put together in a way where this generation could say we solved world hunger. We eliminated pollution that is toxic to the human race. We have provided abundant energy and clean water to anybody on planet Earth with no need for rivers, aquifers, or pipes. These are statements that most people will say, oh, that's 100 years from now, if ever. And it's just not true. And we're going to talk about this because space is a unique geography that can do things in a networked way to reach every human being and uplift the condition of people in suffering. And it can bring the values of America of peace and respect for human beings and liberty uh, and equality, the things that are so precious. And we as a nation can actually uh, stake a vision that's big enough for America, big enough so we stop squabbling with one another over bathrooms and start championing things that are meaningful to God and man. You know, this this is what we have before us, and this is the context of the space force that we'll get into. Right, and and you know what I will say here, and and this is again a theory, but I think because we've seen such a dumbing down of the education system, that's why people's brains don't even think about that sort of a pursuit. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at look at the state of illiteracy in this country. I mean, look right. at people can't pass basic math tests, right? And you're going to say to them that their issue that they should champion is going to be space, and this is this is part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Is that when when you when you have this tremendous dumbing down when you start replacing things like western civilization right when you when you stop teaching you know about the fall of the roman empire which is our, our you know can be argued that was really the start of, of western civilization right mm -hmm. when you start replacing those cor those courses with feminism 101 mm -hmm. um with gender studies so mm -hmm. and you start teaching social issues you you really dumb down an entire population and, and and you you change their focus from doing something great to doing something um petty <laughs> really is the right. word the word is petty and ridiculous and pathetic that's right. that's right um and and uh it's a it's a it's a form of pollution in my opinion mm -hmm. where we're polluting our own environment and I, i'm hopeful that in watching this and 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 talking about aspiring again towards something that's great, mm -hmm. uh, we can we can inspire people to want to want to start learning things that are meaningful again. Yeah. So talk talk to me about space force because I am yeah. ignorant. Okay, so uh, the uh, uh, the reason the space force is so important and uh, and is because whenever a civilization is moving into a new place, 
uh, there is always a struggle for the resources and for the opportunity that that new space uh, provides. For example, when we went out west, uh, we went out with uh, covered wagons. But there was also the cavalry that protected those covered wagons. Because if not, then it would be a clash that uh, would kill our people and put them at risk. Uh, anytime you move into a new marketplace, pirates, thieves, and thugs will come along because people are people and we're imperfect and evil will be there and somebody will be selfish, they will not respect another human being, and they will do things that are not consistent with our values of rule of law. Space is the same way. For example, I'll just use the moon as a, an example. Right now, it's as if there is a continent three times the size of Africa and nobody is out there, nobody. And China is building a fleet of ships going to that continent to mine the resources and to develop uh, and to bring all of that wealth and prosperity back to China. And we are not. The Space Force is a recognition that this is something that we need to be a part of. Not just because we want to go to this continent, and I'll use all of space as this prosperity because we'll get into some of the technologies that can help us as a human race um, with the education piece, and we'll, we'll come back to that one because that is where we lost our way. We stopped teaching our children history, human nature, and culture. Uh, but we as a nation are now recognizing we need to be on this journey to this new uh, uh, sea of prosperity in space uh, because one, we want to make sure the journey is responsible. We don't want it to be disrespectful of the environment or our universe. But for the first time in human history, the technologies exist for the human race to reach the stars for all of our information, our resources and our energy. We can now tap into the sun as a clean source of energy to power the earth without the need for dangerous, expensive, and polluting techniques. These journeys are never overnight, but that is what's possible. Okay, so there's definitely an irony there for you to say that we could look to space and, and we could power the world and we could move away from sort of these polluting forms of energy. Mm -hmm. um, the same people that mock Space Force are the people that demand that we look to cleaner energy. So there, there's mm -hmm. such an irony there, right? And and you brought up China. And this is mm -hmm. really important. I, I talk about China often because people just do not in this country have an understanding of really just, uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of threats with China and the way that they're moving. Mm -hmm. And I say, when I say threats, I'm talking about um, that historical arc that you just brought up and saying that, you know, one minute you're in power, the next minute you're not, right? Yeah. And and China is is definitely a threat in terms of, A, uh, the way that they are uh, raising their students. Yeah. They are learning. I saw a video of a kid doing things on a calculator. He must have been five years old. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that he was computing math. I was, I was scared looking at him. I was going, we cannot compete with that. If this is the way that their kindergartens and first graders are learning to do math, our country can't compete with that. That's right. And and now you're saying that they're they're jumping on the space force. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, right. Anybody that studies China will see that they've already built a space force. But they've done something else that makes gives them a competitive advantage and that is not only have they built the space force and organized around this single purpose. They have made it their national vision uh, to dominate the economy of space 
in order to dominate the economy of the 21st century. Right. And we'll talk about why, how they do, are, are planning on doing that because they are unapologetic about talking about it. But the other key factor is they don't have a republic like we do where we rightfully argue over how the money will be spent and we have political parties that make sure that best ideas make it through the crucible of, of controversy and fire before the money comes out. Um, in China, the Communist Party owns these companies and they fuel them and they fund them. They subsidize them in a way that allows them to compete globally in a way our companies can't. So there's a predatory behavior to this as well. But they are organized to dominate the economy of space and we are not. The Space Force is the first thing we've done to actually be serious about saying we want a guardian capability to protect American rule of law. Uh, the rights of people who put hard work in, if there's somebody that tries to steal it away, somebody will hold them accountable. So this is the first step into this journey. But you're right. The reason people scoff at this and laugh about it, and it's ironic, like you said, is because they don't understand what is about to happen. It would be like you were sitting here in 1900, okay? The airplane has not been invented yet. You know, the Wright brothers in Dayton, Ohio had not yet invented it. It's three years away. <clears throat> and most people in America are lighting their homes with candles. They're heating them with wood, uh, burning in the fireplace, and there's, uh, there's no electricity. And they use a horse to get around, and it's mostly trails. There's really no roads. And I sit here with you in 1900 and tell you, within 100 years, there will be roads that go everywhere. There will be two cars in every garage. There will be a, a man will have been on the moon already uh, this many years ago, 70 years ago, you know, 50 years ago uh, uh, for the man on the moon, World War II and the planes and, and electricity in every home. And we fly everywhere when, that we want to get to. You would have thought I was crazy. Well, actually, that's not even a far-fetched story. It's almost true. And uh, I don't know if many people know this, but the first time that electricity, you know, when Thomas Edison discovered electricity, the mm -hmm. first person that had um, their right. home lit with electricity was J.P. Morgan right. uh, because he sponsored Thomas Edison. That's right. Um, and when Thomas, when J.P. Morgan invited a bunch of um, wealthy people to his home to show them this amazing invention, they came over and he turned, he lit his home up with electricity yeah. and his father was there. Um, uh, I can't remember his father's name at the moment. Uh, and uh, he laughed. Yeah. He laughed. And you know what they said? This belongs in a carnival. That's right. right. And so, think, think about that in the context of where we are today. That's right. And, uh, you know, as long it, it, it seems pretty quick in retrospect that all of those things took place uh, in the last hundred years. But the acceleration of all these technologies, what is coming to our shore from an infrastructure in space is going to uh, make that look like child's play. It's going to happen so fast as it comes forward. And uh, again, most people have a hard time seeing something that they have never seen before. Um, just like the model of electricity being delivered the way it is, that was Edison and, and Tesla that really gave us this methodology that is very expensive, very wasteful, and very, uh, you know, and pollutes. Yet we all live and assume that our great-grandchildren will have to plug their cell phone into the wall just like we do, and it just doesn't have to be that way. And we'll right. talk about about how space can build an infrastructure to do that. So there's, but th that's why they laugh and it's, it's understandable. That's human nature to, if you don't understand it, you fear it and you mock it. But the danger is this, if we do not educate our children as to what you can do with technology that changes fate, it can uplift the human condition. If we don't manage technology with values that respect human beings, 
then we will be victims of others that do. It would be like we, we ignored the airplane in 1903 and the only people that had it were the Germans. Right. That's exactly right. And, and I think part of this challenge also is that in this climate right now, we're also seeing people that just don't under, that don't, not, not don't understand it, but don't like entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right. So we're also, and, and this is part of the challenge, we're creating an environment where we're no longer celebrating entrepreneurs. We're saying that if you find success, there's something fundamentally wrong with you because the rest of people have not found success. And we know what that, what happens, right. you know, you want to start that social socialist mentality, yeah. um, the people that do think this way mm. are going to leave. That's right. And they're going to go to other countries, yeah. right? And they're still going to take their really brainiac, crazy ideas that are going to make them tons of money. And they're going to bring them to other countries and other governments. And once again, we are going to be laying the groundwork for America to fall. And that's what actually gives me anxiety is that people right. don't see that. They don't, they don't think that way. Like you yeah. said, it's just they see what's in front of them and they don't see the big picture. They don't understand the context of human history. They don't understand that you, you are not um, guaranteed to be at the top forever. Yeah, you right? have to fight for it. So this is where uh, teaching our children human nature and history uh, really can make all the difference. But this is also the seeds of destruction. We are watching uh, the, the natural tendency of a society to eat itself from within. Mm -hmm. and, and so your anxiety is uh, well placed. The good news though, it's not too late. Uh, women like you who are standing up and starting to speak truth to power, uh, but more importantly, truth to the American people. For me, the, the reason I see this so clearly is the blessing I got from growing up in a different society, a different culture. I grew up, I was raised by an African tribe with no electricity, no running water, and no education. And so when I came to Los Angeles, where my dad took a, a, a position as the dean of the School of Intercultural Studies um, in Los Angeles, I got to see this and it's, it's like living color to be able to see one world paradigm and one culture and then another. And so I've been able to see it within the military. I can see it in groups of people, this human nature where we're tribal, we get into our own cultures and then we drink our own Kool-Aid and we get on our own way of adapting to, to actually evolve. This is what's happening with the Space Force. Our society is insular, even though the world is interconnected and we have the potential of being outside. But it's the lack of vision. Uh, people perish when there is a lack of vision. And that's what's happening. America needs a vision big enough for the entrepreneurship and the power of our economy. And they, the vision can be consistent with our constitution that all people are created equal by saying America is going to make trillions of jobs. This space force will trigger millions of new jobs even over the next few years and a trillion dollar economy in space, in telecommunication, in transportation, in energy, and in manufacturing. And that can actually lead to a global capability of uplifting the human condition, bringing people out of poverty, and to educate globally things that matter, character, quality of human nature and history and bring energy and information to people in a way they have never seen before. This is what our country could do. And, and it goes back to those four vision statements. America has within its capability to build a world where we start ridding ourselves of pollution that's killing us, that's toxic to the human being. We can get rid of this uh, trust factor in data. Right now, you can't trust data. You know, it, it, it's a scourge. It's being used as a weapon against us mm -hmm. by China with 5G, for example. And all you have to do is look at how they're attacking the Uyghurs and those in Hong Kong and anybody in China, that if you don't behave consistent as you're using their apps, 
your kids can't go to school. Right. You can't buy the good groceries. Mm -hmm. uh, the Communist Party is tightening control using information. Space has the potential for America to lead those journeys where you have trusted information, quality, infra, uh, quality energy that is from the sun, that is clean, and more importantly, the ability for Americans to benefit from an economy that is powerful and capable of uplifting the human condition. Let me ask you a question. Let's say the world um, moves as quickly technologically as it has been. So in the next 100 years, mm -hmm. you know, the world is is being largely driven by what's happening out in space. Is it fair to say that if we don't get in this, if if, if it is, if space does become dominated uh, by China, if they dominate space, then they will, they dominate the world? Oh, yeah. I, there's no question there's about no it. There's no question. There's uh, no being a world power, but we're not playing in space. Right. And uh, the, the subtlety here is that we, we get trapped in the paradigms of the past. So right now, when people think about space and the way we've done space since 1960 is we just fall around the Earth, you know, and uh, you think of a satellite command. And mm -hmm. so it's just falling around the Earth, bringing GPS and timing and uh, weather satellites and, uh, and pictures from space so that you can see every part of planet Earth. Uh, that's all fine and good, but that's a paradigm we're stuck in. What China is looking to is the economy of space outside of that gravity wheel, outside of orbits, where you're maneuvering uh, between the Earth and the Moon and Mars. And you have uh, an infrastructure. It would be like us building the, inter the Eisenhower interstate system in order to allow towns to thrive in little economies all over. Imagine our country without railroads or roads. Uh, those railroads and roads uh, make us vibrant economically. China is building those roads and railroads into space. And, and if we aren't there with them, they will benefit from the, the, the resources on the moon, on asteroids, and the sun as they build out capability to receive that sun energy and modify it into safe radio waves that can be absorbed into devices and power anything in cislunar space. The cislunar space means between the Earth and the Moon and beyond. So this is where they're going. And if we don't, uh, they will be able to do things. They will be able to weaponize information and energy uh, because of what they can do with a network in space. Uh, they will be able to dominate tr transportation because they will uh, have the transportation capability to get this infrastructure in space that can take anybody on planet Earth. You could get into a spacecraft. Elon Musk is building this right now in Brownsville, Texas. Get on a spacecraft and be in Singapore in 39 minutes. Walk around, go shopping, and be home for dinner. Wow. Back in Brownsville. Um, this is like telling somebody that an airplane could take them from New York to L.A. in four hours, and it usually takes four weeks in a, you know, uh, in a rickety old uh, horse-drawn carriage. Right. And you're so right to say that the reason why so many people balk at those claims is because they don't understand history. They don't study, they mm -hmm. don't study how quickly the world has moved. They don't understand that stuff. And if they did, they would understand how real this plausibility is. Like, this, right. this could absolutely happen. Yeah. And, and they should know that because China is so focused on it. They are. And, and they are tremendously focused in every regard when it comes to technology, mm -hmm. right? Into our, stealing our intellectual property, all of these things because they understand it is invaluable uh, once they have technology and they have the information that they can take over the world, right? Yeah. And and that is something that people just do not understand. And I say, you go look in their classrooms, they're not they're not squabbling over what bathroom to go into, right? right? And we are. And and there is no society that can thrive without strong men. And and we have we have weakened our society. 
um, a weakened people's mentality, their ability to take anything. Uh, and over time, I just see this as so harmful, so harmful. And and you're right, we can turn it around. Um, and I, I love that you correlate all of this to human nature. Mm -hmm. That's a fascinating piece of this. Yeah. Well, human nature is a funny thing, and it really comes down to this humility that we are not perfect. And, and, and the humility that just because we're on top doesn't mean we're going to always be on top. Just because we are able to protect our society doesn't mean we will always be able to protect our society. And the stories through history of societies being um, taken aghast at, at the fact that how could we lose? Um, England is one of the, my favorite examples, mm -hmm. uh, World War I. They, they were, sadly, they were wanting to go to war. Uh, it, it had become this narrative of heroes being created by going to war. And uh, they had been the strongest uh, military in the history of mankind uh, since the, they had perfected Napoleon's model and method. And they were itching for a fight. They said, Germany, bring it on. And after they lost an entire generation of men, they had their most uh, uh, respected intellect, uh, Dr. Fisher, uh, study why. Why did we lose? He said, we didn't lose because we didn't have courageous fighters or good tactics or good equipment. They had great rifles. They marched shoulder to shoulder in Napoleonic lines. Um, they were the best at what they did. But they sa he said, we lost because we had a lack of vision. And the generals of the time saw the machine gun being developed. They saw poison gas being developed, but they ignored it. They said, it, it's, you know, it breaks every few rounds. Uh, you know, the gas will just put on a gas mask and run through it. They, they did not appreciate the power of technology to change the character of war. And the same is with space. Things can be good, used for good or evil. So, for example, um, China has made, for the last 30 years, China has met every single one of their stated goals on space for 30 years. So to think that it won't, it won't be any different in the future is a little foolish. But within the next 10 years, they will have a, a nuclear-powered and solar-powered power generation plant in space that can beam energy to the Earth in the way I was describing to you, solar power from space to Earth. And they claim that it's for peaceful purposes so that you can walk around with your cell phone and you never have to plug it in because it can trickle charge through very safe for human radio waves that propagate through. Or they can power a ship or a car or a, a power plant to propagate electricity to people. But they will be able to deliver clean and unlimited energy from the sun converted into radio waves that are safe for humans, less than the background radiation you're feeling right now from the sun, and energize the earth anywhere they want. They're building that infrastructure. In a millisecond, they can turn that into a weapon. Absolutely. And, and they talk about this in their open press. They don't translate it to English, but uh, those of us that have studied everything China has said or written for the last 30 years, I will tell you uh, that they talk about weaponizing the two weaknesses of Western civilization. The first weakness is information. We have built systems that do not allow us to be able to trust information. And our media has taken advantage of that in many cases. And uh, the data for your banking, you know, information can be a weapon. And who owns the narrative owns the future. Mm -hmm. We know this intuitively. If you can propagate a lie and the truth can never get out, even a lie can win. And uh, so we fight for the truth, free speech in America, all these things. But the second part of American weakness that they are targeting is energy. We were so uh, unilaterally dominant after World War II that we have built a, an energy grid that is totally vulnerable. I mean, it, it, resilience was never built into the idea. 
So uh, it, it, it is very fragile. And, um, and all of our bases uh, only work if it taps into the downtown power grid. So those bases are totally dependent on our American power grid. That grid can be paralyzed anywhere, anytime from that kind of power and space that China's building. Oh. Any ship can be paralyzed with that energy from space. And it doesn't have to be a nuclear detonation or this electromagnetic pulse that people talk about. It can be laser-focused, directed energy with the kind of power you can build in this infrastructure in space. And, and so if they're the only ones that have it, then I don't have a lot of faith that they won't treat us any different than they do the Uyghurs. Who nor they should, don't nor should you. Nor yeah. should we have a lot of faith. And so as a national security professional, my job is to prepare for the unexpected. I pray we can evolve with China peacefully because competition is good. I want them to be aggressive. I want them to go forward because all businesses benefit. All people benefit when there's competition. But if we are not there with them, it will be as if we could see Germany building the nuclear bomb and we decided to do nothing. Ugh. That's how powerful space is. In fact, as a student of space and of technology and of history, I will tell you that what space will be able to do once China builds an infrastructure in space will be more powerful than the invention of the internal combustion engine, the light bulb, and the airplane combined. That is absolutely terrifying to think about. But amazing or, and terrifying. It or can it be can be great. amazing. Right, yeah, yeah but you, know, you, can't, you can't recognize the goodness, the potential for good, unless you also tether yourself to the reality of the potential for evil. That's right. right. So I've, I'm like equally terrified and amazed at everything that you're telling yeah. me. Um, how far behind would you say we are from China right now? If, if we jumped in right now and we're like, all right, yeah. let's do it. We're, yeah. we're putting all this money in it. How, how many years behind are we? Yeah. So this is a great question because people think, oh, we have a law now that says we have a space force. Therefore, we're done. You know, yeah. we can go home. <laughs> yeah. And this is another piece of human nature. And the story I like best is a story I know well in, um, in Congo when Mobutu was uh, – uh, was the president of Congo. America wanted access into Central Africa for, in case of an emergency. And so they were giving uh, the, the, the military uh, things uh, and they gave them jeeps, okay? And uh, they gave them jeeps, but there was no, uh, there, there was nothing else really. There were no people teaching them how to use it. And this gets to the idea of mindset, which will get back to your question here of how are we doing compared to China? We're in a certain mindset. The mindset of Mobutu's military when they got these jeeps was they didn't know what it was really. They had never driven a car before. And, uh, and the jeeps came in reverse because the people that put them on the ships put them in reverse because that's the lowest gear. And uh, the, if the emergency brake fails, the reverse gear will keep the truck from rolling, right? So they're in, and so the, the first assistance comes over to check how things are going in the Congo. And all of the military are driving their jeeps in reverse. <laughs> Okay, so they're sitting there looking back and driving. And, and they're like, what are you doing? They're like, what do you mean? It, we turned it on and it, was, it went in that direction. So we thought that was the direction it was supposed to go in. So we've been driving around in reverse for months. They're like, hey, look at this first gear. Look, look how fast you can go if you go the other way. And you don't have to turn your neck around all the way. This is what I'm reminded of when I look at what's going on with space right now. We have been doing space as just satellites falling around the Earth for so long. Mm -hmm. uh, we are like a Jeep in, in reverse. Now, we have a brilliant Jeep. We have better satellites than China. We have better equipment than China. We are more innovative than China. Um, but, we, uh, but what China is doing is a different mindset. 
they are not just falling around the earth. Uh, they have, uh, they, they may not have a Jeep. They have an Edsel. It's old and it's clunky and it's not as good as ours. But they're moving into second gear. Mm. They are moving faster and they're moving in the right direction because this is an economic race. It's a race to build an infrastructure in space that can bring us clean energy, fresh water. It can bring us information that can be trusted with different gateways that do not uh, are not susceptible to cyber hacking like we have to live with today. These are problems of our own design. And so even though we may be in the lead, the way I say it is we are like a race car that's been winning races. It's the tortoise and the hare. We're mm. the hare and we can move fast and we know we can move fast. Mm. But this turtle, this China is coming and they are coming deliberately and we are sitting back. Um, and now, but the analogy I use is we're a race car going 70 miles an hour, China's on our bumper, but because they have a superior strategy of dominating the economy, uh, they will be able to maneuver more aggressively. They will be able to communicate more ubiquitously and they will be able to bring firepower to bear uh, at cheaper price points than we will if we don't start looking out and not just in. Right. So the Space Force right now is focused on um, supporting the joint fight, which is a good thing. But they're looking inward. They're looking to the Earth and they don't think it's their job to look out to this economy. And so it's like driving a car in reverse. We may be going in a direction and we may be going in a direction with great quality but we may not be winning the strategy that China has designed for us. Right. And, and I think one thing that is makes me feel optimistic is that if we do get in this race and we do realize the importance of this, America is great because of our free market mentality, right? That's because right. we normally encourage competition and that's yeah. what makes people, entrepreneurs want to go at it and say, I want to race and do the best. And China does not have that. They don't. China has never had that, you know? So right. their people are not encouraged to want to help, you know, assist the government and come up with all of these great technologies. You know, they're usually trying to get out of there. Um, uh, where their knowledge uh, will be better valued and they'll live a better life and, and their families will live a better life. Uh, it's just about us communicating the importance of this race, if you will. That's true. Uh, but but to we, have to be, we have to be careful of this because um, I'll take the telecommunication journey over the last 20 years. Um, back in 2001, China didn't really have a telecommunication internal market. And so they asked Lucent Technologies, Motorola and Nortel to come in and build their telecommunication market. Um, and those companies were um, excited. I, you know, there's a story of two business uh, people from Motorola in Hong Kong in 1998 uh, cheering each other. Hey, this is going to be great. China has asked us to come in. They've made this, the environment beneficial to our company. And we're going to have access to this billion-plus uh, marketplace. We're going to be rich beyond our wildest dreams. Here's to that. All we have to do is give China our, our intellectual, intellectual property and proprietary information. Six years later, they were bankrupt. Why? Well, Huawei didn't exist back then, but Huawei was built out of the carcasses of Lucent Technology, Motorola, and Nortel. Why? Because China recognized they would not be more innovative than the American culture, where we respect each other enough and we're humble enough to listen and learn, and that diversity of thought creates innovation mm -hmm. at speeds that are just mind-boggling. They recognized they didn't have that in their cultural DNA, so their method was steal, steal then duplicate, 
and then flood the markets. Mm -hmm. So they did that, and that's why they dominate 5G and why America has no good answer. Right. Well, and then let's actually talk about that. I actually want your opinion on this about Huawei yeah. because um, I just read – I didn't just read it, but a few weeks ago, Boris Johnson announced that he was going to allow uh, China to build their 5G networks in the UK. Right. And I thought this is a terrible idea. Yeah. Right. And, and I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. And then, I mean, I even think some other people were celebrating it like, oh, well, it shows, um, you know, that uh, Boris Johnson is not just going to do whatever Trump says he should do. And I said, this is not about – I mean, like, so you're going to let, you know, the East and, and mm -hmm. let China build technology um, into your country. And to what? To stand up to your allies? I don't even understand the mentality right. of that. It was completely ridiculous. Right. Well, uh, you know, a, a deeper look at that uh, makes it less clear. I mean, it's fairly easy to say just block them out of the market altogether. The reality, though, there are companies that can compete with Huawei now. They just happen to not be American companies. And that's where we owe a little humil humility looking back and saying, why? Do, how could we let this happen? Right. We had 4G. We were we became dominant in it. So 5G, and the reason I say that is that um, it is a problem to let China in. There's no question about it. And the reason is because if they have 5G technology, 5G technology can dominate the electromagnetic spectrum in a way that can jump air gaps. I can't have a laptop, even if it's turned off, next to your 5G equipment because your 5G equipment be, will be able to uh, see and manipulate uh, any electromagnetic uh, emissions from That's that. That's interesting because yeah. the argument that Boris Johnson made, and of course, this is how you know people can make decisions and you know the regular, regular people just don't understand. When I say regular people, I mean people that are not in the tech space, people that don't have this understanding that you do. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, well, you know, it's fine. We're just limiting them to certain, you know, certain places. And I said, but the, their network, it's more powerful. Yeah. So it, it can, it can dominate, it can jump. It can, and uh, so you have to be careful. And it, uh, again, it, uh, it, it can be done nuanced and uh, you'd have to look at the details of what he is allowing China to do in that country. But it, it is playing with fire because, uh, but there's another component of this that uh, can uh, provide some hope. And that is that already people who are using Chinese 5G equipment are complaining about the fact that it's not that good that it is uh, the, the customer service is not there. And more importantly, though, they are feeling this sense of control that uh, if they use China's equipment, they have to follow China's rules. Mm. And, and so China will fail, I think, in the long run if they keep mandating that everybody be beholden to the Communist Party and that anybody that uses their equipment or their gateways to try to dominate information um, uh, has to live and abide by the values of the Communist Party. So eventually this will uh, crumble. But it's important to go back to this telecommunications story because China is doing the same thing in space right now. This We have a very fragile and young space industrial base. Um, and think of it like this. When we invented an airplane, we invested in an industrial base of the aerospace industry that is our largest export as a country right now. When Teddy Roosevelt built a great white fleet, he invested in a shipbuilding industry and, and, and coaling stations and, and all the things that – and the merchant marine that make for a perpetually powerful uh, navy. Um, Right now, we have a very vulnerable space industrial base, and China is doing the same thing with them that they did with Nortel, 
uh, Lucent, and uh, Motorola. Right. They are stealing their intellectual property using all kinds of clever ways. And it's not just stealing outright, you know, espionage, cyber theft. It's having proxies become part of a board member of a certain company. I just read that. Yeah. The Harvard uh, yeah. professor that, that he That's had right. ties to the Chinese government. Yeah. And they're putting people in, in our universities. He was a... Yeah. He was in the science department, yeah, right? Engineering, too. and I just went. Listen, I He's freak out. People watched me, like, like yeah. the way that I freak out and I process things. And yeah. people don't even read that in the news; they pass by it because they Trump Trump tweeted something, and I'm like, "Are you right. listening to the fact that they just found a plant at right. Harvard? Yeah. You know, like, and, and this guy is feeding information back to the Chinese government? Like, yeah. do you understand what the implications are there? Right. And you're concerned about a tweet? Yeah. And and uh, gosh, I'm so glad you just brought that up because yeah. that terrified me. Well, it, it's worse than that. Because he was caught. Where right. are the other ones? It, you know, so it's worse than that. And so even with 5G, it's kind of like with space. Uh, China is uh, not using space for space itself. They're using it for the economic dominance of information and energy. Mm. So uh, when you take a look at what they're putting up in space and then the terrestrial 5G, space is going to be a component of that. Space is going to be a layer for backhaul. And they have a quantum backbone in there. So even though quantum is not fully developed, even though we're still trying to discover this amazing thing called quantum, and we can talk a little bit about that if you want, because it it's something that America should be interested interested in. But I tell you, we, we are, you know, we're putting in that much effort and China's putting in that much effort mm -hmm. because they see the power of it, just like with space. Uh, but the, the, my favorite story on China's predatory practices with this as they're going subtle, because they don't want to awake the great giant of America. They, they watch Pearl Harbor and they know that America is so aggressive when we figure out there's somebody trying to steal us blind uh, that there's nothing that will stop us. And so they are operating, we call it the gray zone, they're operating below the threshold of military action or congressional ire. Um, and so 5G tickled that a little bit, but clearly not enough to get people really engaged. Um, but they're doing things as subtle as this. They'll find some retired military officer who is respected, has a great career, and they'll say, hey, here's a billion dollars if you'll go and give uh, a half a billion to this company, half a billion to that, and all you, all they have to do is let you be a part of their board, mm -hmm. which is good for them. They have a military officer on their board, retired, uh, but all all we need is you know access to the intellectual property. And many, many companies will sign that and say it's okay because the money, because so many small companies need the money, but it is the poison pill. Short-sighted. Yeah, so, so, short so it is riddled. And, and here's the other problem, without getting too much into 5G, but space and 5G are one and the same because space is about dominating information globally using networks in space, an infrastructure in space, and connecting it with terrestrial and controlling energy. The ability to get energy from the sun and deliver it to anybody on planet Earth at price points less than anybody else can offer. And uh, as they're doing this, they are uh, in 5G. Our problem as a country is our government is too big. Okay, and uh, this was our founder's nightmare. When the government gets big, the people get small. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know that saying, and it is true. So the government is like a big uh, 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 person that is not that smart, and they say, oh, 5G, a problem, right? And they go after it. And so the, the, the country is now focusing on 5G, but they're focusing on uh, the technologies of that 5G network, okay? That's already a, a lost cause. Uh, what China is focusing on are all the devices that connect the Internet of Things and gives us the kind of speed and lack of latency. So if you want to buy a drone right now, the only place you can go to get a good drone is China.
Okay. If it's a drone built by some of our American companies, it's expensive. It's not near as good. And most people will just get the Chinese drone. But with that drone comes sensors that China can see and they can, they, they, they literally have the gateways of the information. And it's not just that. It's uh, all the chips that go into self-driving cars, it go into our nuclear power plants, go into our energy component. Uh, go into our telecommunications infrastructure. So we are riddled right now with Chinese products uh, that even if it runs on 4G or 5G, China has access. They can see and that big data allows them to see opportunity economically to try to strangle us over in the next hundred years. So we go out with a whimper as an American civilization and China becomes the dominant economy in the 21st century. That was my husband's feedback. My husband's, my husband's British and I was like freaking out about this Boris Johnson thing. Yeah. I was like, how ridiculous to just let them in. And he said, yeah. every piece of technology that you guys have here in America has China in it. Yeah. He was like, you, th you think you're, you know, you guys are, you're we're better ahead here when, right. you know, it's the exact same thing. You know, right. this has been going on for a really long time and all of it's a threat. That's and right. I will say, if there is silver lining, we had we had said this before that history repeats itself, mm -hmm. right? And and because you and I have an understanding of Western civilization and and why the West, uh, you know, was able to get ahead, why we are in this position in the world, it's because of one word, freedom. Yeah. Right. Freedom is what right. makes us different than everybody else. Right. Tethered to freedom, free ideas, letting ideas uh, flow free, letting people compete. And China, if if they if they continue to be that same structure of the country that they are, if they continue to believe in this communist mentality and they don't tether themselves to freedom, we will always be able to break through and get ahead. We will, but the question is at what cost? Uh, and so as a, as a lifetime warfighter, uh, a person who has made a lifetime of thinking strategically about winning, uh, I will tell you that you have to be careful to think that our free thinking will save us. Uh, it may in the long run, but the valley of trauma, the cost in life and treasure uh, can be immense. It's like mm -hmm. uh, the British that lost an entire generation. They eventually right. were victorious, but if you could feel the pain of those families that lost their sons and their fathers, uh, it, it, uh, it's, it's unmeasurable. And uh, here is why you have to be careful. You can have dominant technology, but if you're fighting a different strategy, uh, the strategy will win. Strategy is so powerful. And so like with 5G and space, with 5G, uh, we're starting to focus on the 5G itself instead of the sensors and mm -hmm. the layers. And we have to get our act together and jump to 6G as a nation and actually build our own gateways so that we can trust the information and provide it to other countries. I wish I wish American companies had not seen this disaster or had seen this disaster and could offer Great Britain, you know, the UK, something as an alternative. Right. Uh, but we don't. We don't have they that. have to, to, you know, they have to, you know, use other companies. And, and they are, so it's not all China. But it's going to be a problem. With space, I wish we would focus on the strategy. Right now, we're focusing internally at just making a military organization that's helping to fight uh, the current fight. We, we need to turn outward and we need to look at this economy and space. And even Congress did not finish the job in my view. They, they wrote a law, but they did not tell the Space Force what the mission was. And so the Space Force will assume the mission and they are assuming the mission is supporting the joint warfighter and integrating space so that it's more useful to everybody on Earth. And that's to miss the strategy. And so as they're fully, they're going in reverse, but they're 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 going to be really good at helping the army or the navy or the marine corps or the air force in the air. But if China can paralyze us because we are vulnerable to 
chips in our aircraft, our ships and our tanks that are vulnerable to a surge of voltage that can come from a directed energy from space, all the brilliance in the world isn't going to matter. And if they can outmaneuver us in space where we cannot stop it because we are not there with them in that environment, uh, then we've lost. We may come back, but when you have a strong economy, so some of the greatest historians of all times talk about two principles that you have to have in addition to what you talked about. The first is the principle of sticking to the values that made you great. So for America, that is our respect for other human beings, life and liberty, and the, you know, the fact that uh, when you work hard, you get to keep what you work for, mm -hmm. okay? This is foundational to the Constitution. It's rooted in human nature, and it's why we have a promise to not be a civilization that falls on the trash heap of history. But the second piece that historians talk about, and, uh, and Henry Kissinger was the last one that talked about it in, in his book on power um, and, and world power, is you, you need to have a disproportionate amount of power in order to survive the chaos that comes from another civilization that may have a superior strategy. And, and so it's not enough to be clever and smart you need to uh, actually build in to your force the capability to do things they cannot do. And they come in three simple forms. You have to have dominant maneuver, dominant communication, and dominant firepower. Mm. And if you have those things, <clears throat> peace ensues. If you don't, war is almost certain. So war breaks out when you go into a new economic realm of prosperity. Look at the <clears throat> um, you know, ice melting in the north, the fisheries, uh, Russia, China, you know, the Nordic countries, all vine, Canada, for those fisheries. And conflict breaks out. Conflict is going to break out in space if the space force does not start building the capability to maneuver outside the gravity well, to bring energy to bear, to compete with what China is building, and to communicate ubiquitously through all of space. And we can do it, we have to do it cheaper and faster than China. Otherwise, China will be able to win. That's really the key here and what people, and so we're focused on the wrong thing right now and we need to focus out. Right. Uh, please, to everybody listening, please listen to this. Understand that China is a real threat. Understand that uh, being a world power is not guaranteed. I know you your whole life have seen America uh, be a powerful country and you can't even fathom a world where we are not. Uh, but if we do not start focusing on these bigger these bigger issues, um, we are we are spelling out our own destruction. And I truly, genuinely believe that. Um, this has been just an eye-opening discussion. I am so pleased that you came on the show. We wrap every episode by allowing you to leave a face message for the world. Okay. Um, and it pretty much it's your call to action. You know, if you could, if you could have your words fall upon the ears of everyone in this country, what would you say to them? So you're going to look at that camera. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. On your mark, get set, world, I give you Steve Quast. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, <clears throat> and I will tell you that you can have a society build all of the capability to have a strong economy and a strong military to protect that economy. But if you lose your moral foundation, it is all for naught. So America has two pathways ahead. One is to change the way we build <clears throat> capability in the military realm to be meaningful in the 21st century. Right now, we're still building industrial age stuff. We need to build 21st century capability to defend an economy in the 21st century. And the second is we need to get back to an educational system that teaches our moral foundation. Because without that moral foundation, all of the rest 
is meaningless. Thank you so much for joining me. That's amazing. It still gives me anxiety. I have so yeah. much anxiety about it. I really do. Well, anxiety because like nobody I know is talking about this stuff. Thank you guys for watching the latest episode of The Candace Owens Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As many of you guys already know, PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. I would really appreciate your support.